Welcome to the Inside the Rams podcast, brought to you by the Southern California News Group. I'm your host, Ryan Karchi, and today, in a special crossover podcast event, I'm joined by a first-time guest who happens to have his own podcast that you should be listening to after this one, of course, the one, the only, the Miles Simmons. Thanks for joining us, Miles. Of course, uh, long time, first time, Ryan. So this is very cool. I figured I, I figured I'd give you the the intro because I know how much being an Ohio State fan, you you prefer to overcompensate. Oh well, you know what? At least I didn't go to Michigan. You know, like I, I didn't go to Ohio State either. I'm just from Ohio, and like I feel like you need to learn that it is Ohio State, not just Ohio. Like Ohio University is a different place. It's a, it, it's in Athens. Like, oh, the Ohio State University is in Columbus. And you guys just always seem to need that geography lesson. I got no beef with Athens, Ohio. So, I heard they have a great... I'm not saying you do. I heard they have a great Halloween party. Yes, I've also actually heard that. Never been, but yeah, no. Did you get the chance to go back to Ohio at all this offseason? I was there for Memorial Day actually and then so I flew into Ohio and then my mom and I drove to Baltimore to see my grandfather but other than that I did not really spend much time in Ohio I was mostly out here in Southern California yeah probably ready for the 2018 Los Angeles Rams season I know you've been spending months just pouring over the tape oh well obviously I mean it's all the new additions that are coming in with Akeem Lee, Marcus Peters, and Dominic and Sue, Brandon Cook. That's all everybody ever seems to want to talk about. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been, but no, it's been pretty good. Um, it's been interesting, I think, just being out here now going into the third season in Los Angeles after spending two seasons in St. Louis. It's, I feel like I'm starting to adjust to Southern California for real now. I still feel like you're a bit of a hater, though. I kind of am, yes. I think the weather is overrated, and I like seasons. I miss seasons. You know, I, I grew up in the Eastern Time Zone, as did you, so there's an appreciation for fall that I have that you just kind of, you don't get it out here. You, know, you don't get the colors, you don't get all that. But, it's, I mean, there are perks of not having to, like, clean off your car when it's snowing and stuff. Like, I don't, I don't miss that. Yeah, there's a lot of things I don't miss. Namely, that seasons are totally overrated. This is a this is a fake opinion I feel like that comes from Midwesterners, and they forget how much fall actually sucks. Other than like one week of it, what? totally overrated. Fall is, fall is the best season. What are you talking about? Summer clearly is the best season. It's not really a question here, especially when you eliminate oh, the humidity. Gosh. All right. Anyway, um, we'll say you, we'll, you want to be wrong. That must just be what they teach you in Michigan. <laughs> we're off to a great start, Miles. We really are. <laughs> the people probably would want us to get on topic, right? <laughs> yeah, there there is plenty of news to be covered. Plenty, plenty more takes to be had. Hopefully, a little bit better ones than the mile the ones Miles has had so far. But for first, the biggest news of camp, in my opinion, Todd Gurley, cat person. Who knew? I did not know that. I was actually very surprised when I saw that in the ESPN feature. 
And it was just, it, it just was kind of random, you know? I mean, you said the biggest news of camp, Todd Gurley, I really thought you were going to say extension, and then you said camp person. You really just kind of threw me for a loop there. I was about to, like, get prepared to say all these nice things about how Todd Gurley is a great runner, but then now I'm going to have to give a hot take and say that the worst thing that Todd Gurley has done since he has come into the league is declare that he is a cat person, because, I mean, really? <laughs> On this, we are in complete agreement. Who just... <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what to say. Although I will say I do love his, his self-appointed nickname, Cat Dude. Ooh. I will, yeah. I will not dude. stop until Pro Football Reference adds Cat Dude to Todd Gurley's list of nicknames. That is like a really good goal for you. <laughs> See, the funny thing is it's taken less to give other people nicknames in the past on Pro Football Reference. At least Todd Gurley actually called himself Cat Dude. I'm pretty convinced Dude. half of those nicknames on there, no one has ever said them about that actual person. Yeah, I remember it's either like Tom Brady's or I think Peyton Manning has like some nickname on Pro Football Reference. And it's and I remember reading it, and it, I think it became a topic on Twitter at one point. It's like, wait a minute, did anybody ever actually call this person that name? And it's like, no. So I don't know what that's about. I'm pretty sure it's Tom Brady. Yeah, no, I just looked it up. He he has the nickname The Pharaoh listed. Like, what? Who ever called Tom Brady that? No one ever called him that. That that okay. has to be a joke by some pro football reference intern. Interesting. Maybe I'll, maybe huh? I'll look into this. This is my next investigative piece. <laughs> Before before we get off of Cat Dude, I do I feel like I have to tell one story, and it's that true story. My my college friends to this day still call me Cat Man. That's Why? my that's my. You don't even have a cat anymore, at least. Uh, I do a, I do have a cat actually. The cat is literally like rubbing up against my leg right now. Um, you have a cat? I do. Oh. Yeah. Um, we're really hitting the hard news to start this podcast again. Off to a great start. But no, I yeah, my my friends call me Catman. I still actually can't explain why. My last name is Karchi. I guess that sort of sounds like cat. I don't know. Uh, long story short, basically one day I was in a bad mood and they decided it was their goal to uh, cheer me up, so they made a slideshow of different photos of the Catman, who is this man who has uh, tattooed cat stripes all over his body and surgically implanted whiskers into his face. And they thought this was the funniest thing of all time. So literally 10 years later, they still call me Catman. Yeah. Well, I guess we all have nicknames. <laughs> I'm gonna call you Catman from now on and I'm definitely gonna tell Alden to call you Catman too. Oh no, <laughs> just don't tell Alden. <laughs> we all saw how seriously Alden takes these jokes. Yeah, Drake lyrics, man. That was fun. The two Drake songs that I know. Out of hand. Speaking of out of hand, this podcast yeah. has gotten out of hand to start. So really let, let's talk about some Rams topics, shall we? Yes, please. So, <laughs> That's what I was here for. <laughs> you, thought, you thought wrong, sir. Uh, <laughs> so the Rams, uh, probably their, their biggest weakness in what I would say has been a, a strong training camp uh, has been linebacker. Now, part of that has to do with injuries. 
Mark Barron, who actually just returned to practice, um, has been out basically all off season. Uh, Matt Longacre, essentially the same thing uh, with a, you know various injuries. He was one of the guys that they expected to step in at outside linebacker, um, and you know it's it's been kind of a, a cavalcade of rookies and young players and just generally unproven guys off the scrap heap. So I guess before we get into it. What what have you seen out of that position? Has it been encouraging at all, or is it something that you think is a legitimate concern heading into the season? I think the one bright spot throughout the offseason program has been Samson Abicom, and he was a guy that got drafted in the fourth round last year, and they want him to be able to contribute and to be a starter. I think that probably would have been the plan regardless, but it's been interesting, I think, just from the perspective of, okay, look, you, you traded away Robert Quinn, who kind of was a cornerstone of this franchise um, for however many years, and, you know, he got contract extensions and everything, had a 19-sack season back in 2013. Production has not quite been to that level since that time, really. So, I mean, now we're going into the 2018 season, so I think there was it's not like Robert Quinn is not exactly the same player but you know he's had some back injuries he's dealt with some things and now of course he's in Miami then you had Connor Baldwin ran to climb to sign him so Samson Abicom I think was always going to be a big part of this defense he's a good player he, he can rush he can cover so I think he's been that bright spot and now he's playing both at Sam, uh, strong side outside linebacker and then weak side outside linebacker so weak side is where Robert Quinn used to play Sam is where Connor Barwin was and he was mostly playing Sam last year but aside from that I mean it's kind of like you said it's just been so many injuries I mean, Morgan Fox was a guy who it really looked like during the offseason program he had a good chance to step up, step in there opposite Abicom, and then he tears his ACL during one of the OTAs. And it's just like, man, that stinks because he is a guy who came in as an undrafted free agent, made an impression back in the 2016 fourth preseason game against Minnesota where he was like just dominating Joel Stave, I think that's who it was, <laughs> um, who was like the Minnesota's fourth quarterback or whatever. And then, you know, played a rotational role last year, then looked like he really had a chance to step into something more this year, tears his ACL. Matt Longacre coming off that back injury, and then he injured his bicep early in camp. Obo Okoronkwo, a fifth-round pick, somebody who they're really excited about. He suffers a foot injury that requires surgery in the off-season program. And now, you know, they want, they thought that he would be able to come off the physically unable to perform less by now. But as McVeigh was saying the other day, you know, it's unfortunate you just, that, that thing just has not progressed as they would have liked. And um, you can't really mess with it because it's a foot injury and it's surgery and you don't want to push him too far too soon. So it's good that they found somebody a little bit who seems to have some skill in Ryan Davis. He's a free agent. He's been with Buffalo. I think he's also been with Jacksonville, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and he's flashed a little bit. But I think... I don't. I don't think it's unfair to say that the outside linebacker position is one where the Rams may be weakest right now on their roster. Yeah, it's interesting because in some ways you could make the argument that it, you know, given the composition of the rest of the Rams defense, that one weak side outside linebacker spot where they are, 
they do have this massive opening. You might be able to cover that up, um, just given the interior pressure that you're able to create with Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald and um, Michael Brockers, and then you have the cornerbacks uh, who have really impressed through the course of training camp, it seems. Uh you know, I, I think you could argue that you could get away with having maybe a replacement level player like a Ryan Davis there. But, you know, it is reasonable to wonder, you know, if you could just get a, a little bit more talent there off the edge, could this defense truly be special? Now, I do wonder about Okoronkwo. I think, you know, they, they see him potentially as that a guy who can step in and be an immediate pass rusher. Of course, we haven't seen that much from him, so it's hard to say. But they're clearly not satisfied right now with that spot and that was the reason why yesterday uh they brought in junior galette uh who last played last year a little bit with the redskins a couple years before that uh he was a difference maker pass rusher for the new orleans saints now it warrants saying that you know some people were rubbed the wrong way just by the idea of bringing him in for a workout uh he has had some off the field issues uh some you know, maybe being an understatement, he was arrested for disorderly conduct, domestic violence. Uh, he tweeted that the that Sean Payton came to meetings drunk after he was released by the Saints. It was a bit of a mess. Sean McVay made it sound like they were giving him a serious look uh, in a conference call with beat reporters. And it seems like that has since fizzled out. Now, why? It's hard to say. Uh, but it looks at this point as if Junior Gallette is not going to sign with the Rams. He's already tweeted that he's going to Seattle for a workout. Now, taking him out of the picture, can you can you say with certainty right now who you think is going to fit into that weak side outside linebacker position, or is it really still just that up in the air? I don't know if it's that up in the air, Ryan. Uh, mostly because I think Longacre is going to be able to come back this week, at least that's what McVay was starting to say, like it, it looked like Long Anchor should be able to play against Houston, and if not Houston, then perhaps in that fourth preseason game against the Saints, but then again, I don't know how much you want to expose somebody like Long Anchor who you're really counting on um, to potential injury if you're playing in the fourth preseason game. Um, but I think the other thing that you sort of touched on, but not quite, um, it's interesting because in the NFL right now, you're getting so many teams using three wide receiver sets, right? So how much are the Rams going to have to use two outside linebackers anyway? That's something that I think Wade Phillips is probably discussing with Joe Barry, um, linebackers coach, Bill Johnson, defensive line coach. And a lot of the time, the Rams are probably going to be in nickel stuff packages, right? And so if you're doing that, then what you're probably going to have is Donald, Brockers, and Sue out there in some capacity. And they're planning on moving around, moving those guys around. Like, we saw at training camp, Donald and Sue taking snaps at left end, right? Like, as a nickel down, as a down player, you know, basically on the outside where you would have seen somebody like a Robert Quinn or a Connor Barwin, right? Like, yeah. this is not, he was not playing on the interior. So, because of that, then that kind of leaves you with one more pass rushing specialist. So is that Samson Aidencom sometimes? Is that that long acre maybe sometimes? Is that, I don't know, maybe you bring Corey Littleton down or something or you bring Mark Brennan. I think you give yourself more options that way if you have those 
three guys in, in Donald Brothers and Sue out there at once, and then you have to only bring in one fourth rusher. So that, I think, might be able to maybe mask some of those weaknesses that you have in terms of just in terms of the personnel grouping. However, I think that there still is room to like improve that group from a base standpoint yeah. where you're saying, all right, well, you've got Abercom. Abercom really does seem to entrench as a starter. But then opposite that, is it going to be Longacre? Is it going to be Davis? Is it going to be somebody else? I think they're clearly trying to look to improve that group. And, you know, bringing Gallette is just one example. So I, I don't know how much they're realistically going to be able to do that before the season starts on September 10th. They're really... I will say they're really relying a lot on Abukam having a breakout season. And I, I'm not necessarily saying that it won't happen, but you know, he's still a young player. Uh, he's still developing. I do think that you know, you're putting a lot of pressure on him. Granted, he's looked really good in the preseason, I'll say that. But um, the one other thing I'll say, uh, the one other thing I'll say to your point about uh, the nickel defense especially, the Rams did play the second most base defense of any team in the NFL last year, behind only the Browns. So, granted, I do think that will probably change, um, just given the personnel you have uh, in your secondary now. The fact that you know just the way the defense has shifted, it makes sense to do you know sub packages a lot more. But you know that will be somewhat of a decided shift from Wade Phillips last year. Um, one thing they don't have to be worried about, and I think that's pretty clear, even more clear after news yesterday, is that the defensive line is devastatingly good. Um, I will say, I, I mean, I watched Ndamukong Sue quite a bit early on in his career, you know, having grown up a Lions fan, and he always seemed like a monster to me, but watching him in person at practice, especially just, I don't know... It's he's just really impressed me so far. He just I think pairing him with Aaron Donald makes for a combination that I don't even think we've given enough credence to just yet. And now, like I was mentioned, like I kind of mentioned, Dominique Easley is returning, who people were quick to forget was actually one of the Rams' better pass rushers. Uh, so that interior is just looking nasty at this point. Yeah, you know, I think part of the reason why we haven't necessarily I thought about how devastating it can be with Sue and Donald together is because we haven't seen it yet. And, like, I think that is clearly the elephant in the room, right? Like, yeah. when will the Donald thing get done? And maybe I just myself into a corner because I, I don't know the answer to that question. And, obviously, there were reports last week that, oh, boy, it will get done. And then there's a big press conference in L.A. And then your Rams officials going like, well, you know what, that's news to us, so that's interesting. But I, I tend to think that Donald will be there week one, but how exactly and when exactly that comes about, I don't know. But I do think what you're saying is absolutely true about Sue in that he really does look like a monster. I mean, when he goes out there, he's lining up in all these different spots, and he has a practice like he did at some point last week, and I can't remember which day it was. But he was really just wrecking practice for the offense. And he can do that at any time, and he can do it from so many different places on the defensive line. And, it, and when they line up in their base, he's going to be at nose tackle, and he is going to be able to take up blockers and all that. And that's going to give guys one-on-one opportunities on the outside. But then 
there were times when he was lining up like outside the tackles and he can still win from those areas and that's what makes him so special as a pass rusher Wade Phillips is going to have a ton of options. You just brought up Dominic Easley. He's another guy that, in theory, you can put out there if you're rushing four because you're in your nickel package. You can put him out there with Donald Brockers and Sue. And That's then you horrifying. And basically four guys who can win from anywhere. Like that, it, it gives Wade Phillips so many options. I just don't actually know how you block that. I mean, I've been thinking about this ever since they signed Indomitian Sue, and I just can't figure it out. Like, I I guess the only thing you do is you have a running back in to chip, but, like, I, it doesn't seem like that would do much. Or, or you got – well, I mean, or you got to max protect with tight ends, right? Like, yeah. And then that means you only have basically one or two receivers out on routes. And if you've got Marcus Peterson and Keith Tlaib out there, like that, and two safeties who are quite good in Lamarcus Joyner and John Johnson, that doesn't really help you very much. But even so, in, yeah, even in Max that's Protect, why this defense has been constructed, why it's constructed. Even in Max Protect, uh, I'm sorry, it, even in the Max Protect uh, offense, I feel like you know one of those guys is going to be in uh, uh, match up individually, probably Samson Abukam, but yes, like. If he's up against a tight end, I feel pretty good. <laughs> if I'm Wade Phillips, so I don't know. It's I, yeah. I'm very curious to see that whole first team defense go up against a first team offense. Now, I don't know if we'll see that this week. They've been kind of questionable about that, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. I want to before we uh, before we get into this week's game, I want to talk a little bit more about camp, but. Um, it's there will be a lot to be learned. I, I think that first week when I think we'll finally, you know, see the full force of the Rams defense. And I agree with you. I think Aaron Donald uh, will join in that group. But uh, let's just talk generally about camp. Some other positions. Uh, one spot that I've been especially curious about uh, is the right guard spot. Now this offensive line was completely healthy all of last season. Uh, that's not going to happen again. Already the Rams are going to be without Jamon Brown for the first two games of the year uh, due to a suspension. Someone is going to have to fill in. Uh, they clearly made that a point during the draft to to pick up some offensive line depth. That depth, I think, has looked pretty good. I know you've talked about it so far. Any of some of those new guys or, or the guys that were already there, who looks like the most obvious fit for that right guard spot uh, to fill Jamon Brown's role early on? Well, I still tend to think that it's Austin Blythe, mainly because he is a veteran and of a couple years. But he's been in the system, and he's had to come in, fill in last year a couple times for John Sullivan, did a good job of that. I just tend to think that he has the leg up. But that being said, I think Joe Noteboom has come in as a third-round pick at a TCU and performed really, really well at multiple spots along the offensive line. I mean... His technique at left tackle looks quite good, and it's better than I would have expected just from a young guy who is coming out of an offensive system that is not a pro-style offensive system. I mean, at TCU, you know, they're clapping, they're running up to the line, and they're going. And I think a lot of times that can be a tough adjustment for 
for young offensive linemen. Like, it's, it's not easy to all of a sudden now have different play calls, different responsibilities, different kind of techniques that you have to do uh, at that tackle spot. But to me, Noteboom has really looked the part and looked the part more than I would have thought he would um, coming in. I think just more of those young guys. Um, Brian Allen also has done a pretty good job um, at center. He, I talked to him last week after a practice, and he kind of had a couple of low snaps snapping to Jared Goff in the first-team offense, and he was basically like, you know, I just want to eliminate those rookie mistakes because that can't happen because I don't mm-hmm. want to just be a guy here. I want to be able to really do some things to be the player. Um, but I think just in terms of who could start for Jamon Brown, it seems like the candidates right now are Blythe and Noteboom. And I would maybe see Noteboom take some more snaps that right are this week, I just sort of tend to think that because, A, the starters are supposed to be playing, and, B, this would be really your one opportunity to give no boom a look there with the offense and with Jared Goff. Um, so maybe he does that, and maybe Austin Bless does it. But it, it, I, I don't know. I just tend to think that, man, you've got somebody who's been in the system for a year. You know he's reliable. If it's me right now, I would still say put Austin Bless in there for the first two games. I totally agree with you on Noteboom. I think he's been one of the more impressive uh, uh, offensive players just in camp in terms of the expectations I had. I mean, he wasn't... I mean, even when the Rams took him, by by all you know draft analysts' accounts, it seemed like a reach. Uh, he was a player who was ranked even a little bit lower than the Rams had picked him. So uh, the Rams clearly knew something other people didn't. Uh, because this guy is further along right. than I think anyone expected. Uh, he, I don't know, I, he seems to have his head in the right place. I think he's learning in a in a great spot behind Andrew Whitworth, who you know, said after the game on Saturday that he's kind of taken Noteboom under his wing and, and really tried to show him you know, what works best at the NFL level. And I think the fact that he's shown his versatility now makes him such an interesting piece on this offensive line going forward, just because you, like I said, there are going to be injuries this year. You just can't, <laughs> I don't think it's happened in NFL history where you get through two years without an offensive, starting offensive lineman being hurt or missing sometime. Uh, so at some point, Joe Noteboom's going to yeah. play. Um, I I think you make a good point about Blythe and his reliability, and maybe that is for those first two games, you don't quite want to rock the boat. But I am, I am curious to see how this third week works I would hope like you said that McVeigh gives him a chance and you know he's able to start with that first team offensive line to really get an actual look at how he would work in that spot but until we see him then it's really hard to say but uh have there been any other rookies that have stood out to you John Franklin Myers has done a really nice job on the defensive line. I think that really started to come out once they got pads on in camp. Um, he just always seems to be disruptive. He just seems to make his way into the backfield. And he had a couple plays in that game uh, against the Raiders on Saturday where, you know, he induced a hold and he was getting pressure on Connor Cook in the backfield and had his hands up. He's got a pretty big wingspan, so, like, he makes a screen pass go higher than it needs to be. And then he got a sack um, later in that game, too. Mm-hmm. So I think he is somebody who's definitely going to be a factor on that defensive line rotation. And, you know, somebody we keep talking about, you know, these nickel 
just nickel down players. He yeah. could definitely be a fourth guy in there and, and make, make some pass rushing. Um, but I think obviously John Kelly has made an impression too. Just as a running back, you know, sixth round pick out of Tennessee, I didn't necessarily expect to see as much from him as we've seen so far. I think about him is that he is really explosive as a downhill runner and when he makes a cut it's boom he's gone yeah. and he doesn't he doesn't go backwards ever you know one of the things that I think makes Todd really so special and we saw it so many times in 2016 he can take with a negative run and turn it into a run for no gain or a yard mm. it seems to me like John Kelly has some of that ability too and it's not necessarily oh it's not Todd Gurley level. I mean, Todd Gurley is an all-world running back. We both know that. But John Kelly definitely has some juice, and he definitely has some ability to create something out of nothing. And that is pretty big. Yeah, you really you look at their draft class, and honestly, I am stunned with how much they were able to do with the lack of you know top draft capital that they had. I mean, if, if those picks work given – what they got out of the trades for the picks they gave up. That was kind of confusing. But uh, I think the Rams are going to yeah. be very pleased the with Michigan how this offseason worked out. Um, it just seems like yeah. all the rookies thought- they picked up are going to be contributors sooner rather than later. It's interesting because you can go back to even last year, and, I mean, we can call it what it is. This is the first time that less need was drafting without Jeff Fisher alongside him as head coach. Look at those picks that they made last year that really made a strong impact. Cooper Cup uh, and John Johnson, both of those guys really turned into starters as the season went on and both were major, major contributors to the way this thing went. Tanzel Smart was a starter for a while last year. Um, You look at also Samson Abelcom, somebody who was really contributing on special teams and then also got into that defensive line rotation, made a couple of plays. Uh, Gerald Everett maybe didn't contribute just as much as he'd like, but he still made an impact, I think, on different plays. When you think about the long catch he had against the New York Giants, he ran a tight end jet sweep. The Rams really got a lot of that rookie class out of that rookie class last year, and it seemed like that trend is continuing, so that's definitely good news. It's interesting that you mentioned Kelly because I was actually talking to a couple other beat writers about this this week, and I just think it's so obvious that he's the second most talented running back on the roster, and I think they know that too. Um, But at this point, they seem pretty committed to Malcolm Brown being that number two guy uh, heading into the season. I just wonder how long that'll last. I think at some point in the season, you're going to have to use John Kelly to, to spell Todd Gurley just simply because I, I think he's more capable of making big plays. I mean, Malcolm Brown has always been a solid replacement level running back. Um, and, you know, he, he's done, he's basically performed whenever they've needed him to. But at this point, I, I think if you're talking about, you know, really making this offense into, you know, this dominant uh, Sean McVay uh offense that he wants to create I, I think having another guy in this sort of Chris Thompson mold who maybe John Kelly could fill that sort of role you know I think that just gives you more gives you time to spell Todd Gurley um, I, I think we're going to see him later this season I guess No I, I totally agree with Ryan and it, it's interesting because Malcolm Brown has a role on this team and I think 
they do different things as backup running backs, right? Like Malcolm Brown is more your traditional kind of third down back. He can come in, he can pass block. He will get you a couple yards. I don't want to call him three yards in a cloud of dust kind of running back exactly because he can do a little bit more than that. But maybe four and a half yards in a cloud of dust. Like that's what Malcolm Brown is. But I think when you're talking about dynamic qualities, yes, John Kelly seems to have that. And I think in some ways that's what makes them different. And it was, it is what can give both of them a role on the team because they're not really the same guy. Now, I also agree with you that at some point it seems like John Kelly is going to solidify his role as the number two running back on this team. I don't know that he's done that quite yet. Um, but as long as he protects the ball and continues to make cuts like he has, there's no doubt that he's going to be a significant offensive contributor. I haven't paid that close of attention to his pass blocking, but usually you can assume that a rookie running back coming in going to need some work in that department too. I'm sure that would help him uh, get in better with the coaches in, in terms of matching what Malcolm Brown can do. But uh, before I let you go, there is uh, one position or one guy I feel like who maybe – hasn't necessarily solidified his position as much as, as Rams fans and coaches would have hoped, and that's Sean Mannion. Uh, he looked a little bit better uh, in this past uh, in this past preseason game against the Raiders, but still not exactly the you know calming presence at the number two spot that you might have hoped at this point. Most of his yards came off of two passes in that game. I think his remaining eight completions went for eight total yards or something like that. Uh, I personally, as a, if I was a Rams fan, I would be nervous about this. Um, granted, I wouldn't say like a Jared Goff injury is imminent, but you know we've seen the value of having a backup quarterback. I think I, I was reading somewhere the other day about you know possible destinations for Teddy Bridgewater, and the Rams came up. Granted, that'll never happen, I don't think. Uh, but you could you could wonder at this point, I think, whether they do have a, a problem at that number two spot, uh, whether it's necessarily a problem yet, I guess, is the question. Right. The thing is, it's only a problem if it becomes a problem, right? <laughs> sure. And that's kind of why I don't really see the quarterback room changing. I yeah. don't think you, uh, if you have a chance to go out and get a quality back up in the offseason, yes, it makes a lot of sense. Look, uh, we all saw what the Eagles did last year, and I think that's like maybe the one time that that's going to work in the history of the NFL past, present, future. Right? Like that's just not not like ninety nine times out of a hundred. If you lose your starting quarterback, you're going to be in a bad way. Are you right? trying to say and, this is I recency bias, Miles? <laughs> are you? Am I trying to say what you kind of cut off? Are you suggesting that we're bias, recency bias, at play? Uh, yes, that is exactly what I'm suggesting, and that's fine. Like, I think that's the part of the way the world works, but, like, you can't... I, there's a reason why Sean Mangan is still here, right? Like, Sean Mangan has been a part of this organization, now he's going into his fourth year. He has been a part of this offense for the last year and a half, same amount of time as Jared Goff, and uh, he does have a pretty strong arm now. Is it fair to expect more out of Sean Mannion? Yes. However, A, they're not game planning. It, they didn't game plan these first two weeks. B, Sean Mannion is not playing with the kind of talent and the caliber of player that he would be playing with should, you know, 
something happened to Jared Goff. And I should three, I don't I don't think that there's really that much motivation to really do something to shake up that quarterback room when we're talking about is the backup. And you only need a backup if something happens to your starter. Now, do you want to be in a good position there? Yes. I think Sean Mannion can probably come out there and run the offense effectively if he had to. If Jared Goff gets hurt, in theory, he would still have Todd Gurley, right? In theory, he would still have Andrew Whitworth. He would still have Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Brandon. He'd still have guys to work with. So I think from that perspective, it's almost a little bit unfair to judge Sean Mannion on what we've seen in preseason. But it's also fair to be like, yeah, you know what, you're a fourth-year pro. Like, this is something you should be able to run the offense effectively. And, you know, we're not just going to give you kudos because you complete a pass. Like, I don't I, – I think I think it's – I'm trying to make it more nuanced, right? And we don't usually do that here in 2018. But I, I think that's – I think that's what the situation is. And I think also because you have – Nangin is in a contract year. Uh, Brandon Allen has two years left on his contract, like, there's not, whoa, it's a, I don't know if you can hear that, but a car just seemingly took off really quickly um, as I'm sitting here outside. But I don't think there's much motivation to make a real change in that quarterback room because you've got two guys who have been in the system for a little while, and, you know, like, it, if you make a change, I think it would come after this year. Miles Simmons, he's a man who needs no backup. Uh Miles, appreciate you joining us. The first crossover podcast. I know, does this mean that you have to come on my podcast now? <laughs> wow, I, I, well, I don't want to come where I'm not wanted, Miles, so you can come right out and say it. <laughs> if I'm not welcome on your podcast, <laughs> no, uh, you can just say it. I didn't say that. Uh, you know, if the audience can't tell, Ryan and I are actually friends. It's a it's a lie, everyone. Don't believe him. This is just the way it is. Somehow I learned to forgive no, Miles. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Somehow I learned to forgive Miles' uh, home state of Ohio. I I forget that you're from Ohio most of the time, so it yeah. makes it tolerable at least to talk for this long. But I've I've tired of it by this point, so I think we should call it a podcast. I think we should too. I'm tired as well. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.